0: Chapter Twenty Four of Mary Annerley. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Mary Annerley by Richard Doddridge Blackmore. Chapter Twenty Four. Love, penitent. I tell you, Captain Annerly, that she knocked me down, your daughter there, who looks as if butter would not melt in her mouth. Knocked down commander carroway of his majesty's coast guard like a royal bengal tiger sir my sword was drawn no man could have come near me but before i could think sir i was lying on my back do you call that constitutional mary however could you think it to knock down captain carroway father i never did he went down of himself because he was flourishing about so i never thought what i was doing of it at all and with all my heart to beg his pardon what right had you sir to come spying after me this interview was not of the common sort lieutenant carroway in full uniform was come to the annerly farm that afternoon not for a moment to complain of mary but to do his duty and to put things straight while mary had insisted upon going home at once from the hospitable house of uncle Papawell who had also insisted upon going with her and taking his wife to help the situation. A council had been called immediately, with Mistress Annerly presiding, and before it had got beyond the crying stage, in marched the brave lieutenant. Stephen Annerly was reserving his opinion, which generally means that there is none yet to reserve, but in his case there would be a great deal, by and by. Master Popplewell had made up his mind, and his wife's long ago— and confirmed it in the one-horse shay, while mary was riding lord keppel in the rear and the mind of the tanner was as tough as good old bark his premises had been intruded upon the property which he had bought with his own money saved by years of honest trade his private garden his ornamental bower his wife's own pleasure-plot at a sacred moment invaded trampled and outraged by a scurvy preventative man and his low crew the first thing he had done to the prostrate caraway was to lay hold of him by the collar and shake his fist at him and demand his warrant a magistrate's warrant or from the crown itself the poor lieutenant having none to show then i will have the law of you sir the tanner shouted if it costs me two hundred and fifty pounds i am known for a man sir who sticks to his word and my attorney is a genuine bulldog this had frightened carroway more than fifty broadsides truly he loved fighting but the boldest sailor bears away at prospect and action at law Hopewell saw this and stuck to his advantage and vowed until bedtime satisfaction he would have and never lost the sight of it until he fell asleep even now it was in his mind, as Carraway could see, his eyebrows mented and his very surly nod, and the way in which he put his hands far down into his pockets, the poor lieutenant being well aware that zeal had exceeded duty, without the golden amnesty of success, in finding out that Papawell was rich and had no children, and did his very best to look with real pleasure at him and try to raise a loftier feeling in his breast than damages. But the tanner only frowned, and squared his elbows, and stuck his knuckles sharply out both of his breeches' pockets. And Mrs. Popplewell, like a fat and most kind-hearted lady, stared at the officer as she longed to choke him. "'I tell you again, Captain Annerly," said the lieutenant, with his temper kindling, "'that no consideration moved me, sir, except that of duty.' AS FOR MY SPYING AFTER ANY PRETTY GIRLS, MY WIFE, WHO IS NOW DOWN WITH HER EIGHTH BABY, WOULD GET UP SOONER THAN HEAR OF IT. IF I INTRUDED UPON YOUR DAUGHTER, SO AS TO JUSTIFY HER IN KNOCKING ME DOWN, CAPTAIN ANNERLY, IT WAS BECAUSE— WELL, I WON'T SAY, MARY, I WON'T SAY. WE HAVE ALL BEEN YOUNG, AND OUR PLACE IS TO KNOW BETTER. SIR, YOU ARE A GENTLEMAN, CRIED Papawell WITH HEAT. "'Here is my hand, and you may trespass upon my premises without bringing any attorney.' "'Did you say her eighth baby? Oh, Commander Caraway, Mrs. Popplewell began to whisper. "'And what a most interesting situation! Oh, I see why you have such high colour, sir.' "'Madam, is enough to make me pale. At the same time, I do like sympathy, and my dear wife loves the smell of tan. We have retired, sir, many years ago, and purchased a property near the seaside.' and from the front gate you must have seen oh but i forgot captain you came through the hedge or at any rate down the row of kidney beans i want to know the truth shouted stephen Annerly, who had been ploughing through his brow into his brain while he kept his eyes fixed upon his daughters and there found abashment but no abasement Nought have i to do with any little goings-on or whether an action was a gentleman's or not that question belongs to the regulars i wand, or to the folk who have retired no but a farmer am i in little business but concerning of my children i will have my say all of you tell me what is this about my mary as if he would drag their thoughts out of them he went from one to another with a hard quick glance which they all tried to shun for they did not want to tell until he should get into a better frame of mind and they looked at mistress Annerly to come forth to take his edge off but she knew that when his eyes were so to interfere was mischief but carroway did not understand the man come now Annerly, the bold lieutenant said what are you getting into such a way about i would sooner have lost the hundred pounds twice over and a hundred of my own if so be i ever had it than to get little mary into such a row as this why lord bless my heart one would think that there was murder and a little bit of sweethearting all pretty girls do it and the plain ones too come and smoke a pipe my fellow and don't terrify her for mary was sobbing in a corner by herself without even her mother to come up and say a word my daughter never does it answered stephen annerly my daughter is not like the foolish girls and women my daughter knows her mind and what she does she means to do mary love come to your father and tell him that every one is lying of you sooner would i trust a single quiet word of yours than a pile as big as flambro head sworn by all the world together against my little mary the rest of them though much aggrieved by such a bitter calumny held their peace and let him go with open arms toward his mary the farmer smiled that his daughter might not have any terror of this public talk and because he was heartily accepting her to come and tell him some trifle, and to be comforted, and then go for a good happy cry while he shut off all her enemies. But instead of any nice work of that nature, Mary Annerly arose and looked at the people in the room, which was her very best, and by no means badly furnished, and after trying to make out, as a very trifling matter, what their unsettled minds might be, her eyes came home to her father's, and did not flinch, although they were so wet. Master Annerly once and for ever knew that his daughter was gone from him, that a stronger love than one generation can have for the one before it, pure and devoted and ennobling as that love is, now had arisen, and would force its way. He did not think it out like that, for his mind was not strictly analytic, however his ideas were to that effect, which is all that need be said about them. "'Every word of it is true,' the girl said gently. "'Father, I have done every word of what they say except about knocking down Captain Carroway. "'I have promised to marry Robin Leith by and by when you agree to it.' Stephen Annerly's ruddy cheeks grew pale, and his blue eyes glittered with amazement. "'He stared at his daughter till her gaze gave way, "'and then he turned to his wife to see whether she had heard of it. "'I told you so.' was all she said, and that tended little to comfort him. But he broke forth no passion, as he might have done with justice and some benefit, but turned back quietly and looked at his Mary as if he were saying, once for all, good "'Oh, don't, father, don't!' the girl answered with a sob. "'Revile me, or beat me, or do anything but that. That is more than I can bear. Have I ever reviled you? Have I ever—' beaten you never never once in all my life but i beg you i implore you to do it now oh father perhaps i have deserved it you know best what you deserve but no bad word shall you have of me only you must be careful for the future never to call me father the farmer forgot all his visitors and walked without looking at anybody toward the porch then that hospitable spot reawakened his good manners and he turned and smiled as if he saw them all sitting down to do something juicy my good friends make yourself at home he said the mistress will see to you while i look round i shall be back directly and we will have an early supper but when he got outside and was alone with earth and sky big tears arose into his brave blue eyes and he looked at his ricks and his workmen in the distance and even at the favored old horse that whinnied and came to have his white nose rubbed as if none of them belonged to him ever any more i would sooner have heard of broken bank he muttered to himself and to the ancient horse fifty times sooner and begin the world anew only to have Mary for a little child again as the sound of his footsteps died away the girl hurried out of the room as if she were going to run after him but suddenly stopped in the porch as she saw that he scarcely even cared to feel the cheek of lightfoot who made a point of rubbing up his master's whiskers with it better wait and let him come round thought mary i never did see him so put out then she ran up the stairs to the window on the landing and watched her dear father grow dimmer and dimmer up the distance of the hill, with a bright young tear for every sad old step. End of chapter twenty-four. Recording by Keith Salis.